This message is a product of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. We thank you for engaging this conversation. Messages like this one are great resources to help us grow, but they cannot replace being a part of a local church. If you're not actively a part of a church, we encourage you to find one near you that fits you, visit it, and get involved. And we hope this message gives life to you today. Enjoy. The conflict that you see there is a conflict that has waged war inside of us, many of us, for years and years and years. It's a conflict of whether our lives will be guided by fear or by faith. There's a certain vulnerability that comes with choosing to respond to God in the right way. And today I'd just like to open by, by talking about that and examining that. And the first thing in your notes today is a very simple statement, but it's profound when we start to understand it. It's this, that everything that you do in life will have and involve some form of risk. Everything. You choose to love, you're risking a broken heart. You choose to start a business, you're risking to lose money. If you choose to enter into a relationship with someone and to love them, you are going to risk losing months and years of your life. Even raising kids is risky, as many of you know, because eventually they get to make their own decisions and they'll break your stuff and later they'll break your heart. But here's the thing. Doing nothing is also risky. It's equally risky because you will become what you do. And if you do nothing, you will become nothing. See, many of us, when it comes to risk, we're actually working, and it's very common for us to work to minimize risk. This is actually a very common corporate practice, a very common personal practice. But I want to expose it for what it is today. See, in love, sometimes we'll guard our hearts and we won't let people into our lives because we're trying to minimize the risk of being hurt. When it comes to investments with our money, we want guaranteed returns. Even in relationships, we'll keep people at a distance because we want to minimize the risk of being hurt. But when we minimize risk, we're also minimizing opportunity. When we minimize risk, we're also minimizing opportunity. When we're not willing to love and give and serve, and be in relationships and in community the way that we need to be. When we're guarding in ourselves and, and trying to minimize the risk associated, what's actually happening is we're minimizing the opportunity that exists in our lives. What's really happening is when we attempt to minimize risk, we're often giving in to fear. We're often giving in to fear. And that fear becomes something that becomes a guiding force in our lives. It becomes the motive behind decisions, the way that we navigate the world. 
And the problem with fear is that fear makes a really, really bad guy for life. Makes a bad guy. And I think that some of us need to be vulnerable and honest about fear. About how we've let fear creep into our hearts. And how we've let fear become the motive behind our decisions. How we've let fear tell us what to do and boss us around. And here's the thing, there's only one fear in your life that you should be responding to. Just one. And if it's any other fear, it's not healthy. And that fear is this. The fear of disappointing Jesus. The fear of disappointing Jesus should be something that we would respond to in life. As a matter of fact, the Bible would call that the fear of the Lord. Look at this verse with me. The fear of the Lord. This is some of you. Some of y'all need this verse. You need to write this verse down. You need to memorize this verse. It needs to become a verse that becomes your life verse. The fear of the Lord leads to life. Bringing security and protection from harm because here's what some of you have bought into you have bought into the lie that if i give into fear it will protect me i know god's told me to give but i really need to hold on to this money because what if this happens what if that happens no i'm not going to give the way that god's told me to i'm going to out of fear hoard and I know that God's asked me to love other people, but here's the thing. I've been hurt before, and so I don't want to be hurt again. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get people at a distance. But here's what the Bible says. The fear of the Lord brings security and protection. And so many times we're looking to the wrong place. We're actually looking to fear for protection and security. But here's the thing about fear. Fear's a liar. Fear is a liar. Any fear that you're responding to other than the fear of disappointing God is a liar. And it will trick you out of being obedient and responding in faith. Because that's what God wants. God wants us to respond in faith. But the, the funny thing about that is that responding in faith will always require vulnerability. You think about it. It will require the risk of having a broken heart. The risk of losing money. I'm going to be honest with you. I remember back to the moments when God began to speak to us about coming back to Stanley County and starting on modern life-giving church in Albemarle and, and there were many moments when, when we would share that story and people would say, I don't know that that can work and I can even remember telling my wife and she said, no, we ain't moving back to Albemarle. I can remember that. But eventually the fear of not following through overtook the fear of failure and the fear of whatever else could be associated with it. And I couldn't bear the thought of getting to the end of my life and not having taken that risk. Because here's the thing about faith. Faith is risky. Faith is risky. If you're going to live by faith, it's going to require risk. And here's the thing. Many of us don't like risk at all. 
And it puts us in a conundrum because we want a life filled with adventure. We want a life that's filled with like epic fun. We want a life that is filled with satisfaction. But that life doesn't come without risk. It doesn't come without risk. It doesn't come without faith. Faith is such an important thing to talk about. Because faith, as the Bible shows us this in Hebrews 11, look at this. It is impossible to please God without faith. And faith isn't just an issue of whether you're scared or not. It's an issue of whether your life is pleasing to God or not. And so I want to take you to a story that I think really sheds a lot of light on this. It comes out of 2 Kings 7. This is one of my dad's favorite stories in the Bible. I love this because my dad used to tell us this story over and over and over again. My dad doesn't have a ton of stories. All right, he's got like seven of them. So like he tells them all the time. All right, I love some of them are just so funny. And my dad is like the worst joke teller in the whole wide world. If something's funny, he starts laughing way before the punchline. All right, he's just, he just is. And this is one of those stories that's somewhat comical. And he's got a joke that he tells. I'm going to tell you that in just a moment. But the background behind this scene is that Israel is under siege the, the, by the Armenian army. The, the city of Jerusalem has been surrounded. It is, because of its fortified walls, impenetrable. And so they've made the decision to surround it, basically blockade, cut off all lines of support. And so what's happened as a result of that is that all of the unmentionables, the lower class in the city has been kicked out, put outside the walls, so that all the resources of the city can be held back for those who are more important. Four of those were lepers. In those days, lepers were believed to be sick. Leprosy is a disease that eats away your body and they were believed to have been infected by a disease that was caused by their sin. We now know it's a, a communicable, contagious disease. They would have caught it, all right? But, but it had nothing to do with their sinfulness. But they would have been exiled from the city because of that. So look at this story. Now four men with leprosy were at the entrance of the city gate. They said to each other, why stay here until we die? If we say we'll go into the city, the famine is there and we'll die. If we stay here, we'll die. So let's go to the camp of the Armenians and surrender. If they spare us, we'll live. And if they kill us, then we'll die. <laughs> Doesn't sound like a good situation at all, does it? As a matter of fact, their bodies may be rotting away, but their minds are very, very sharp because they understand their situation very well. There is no food. They're going to die. They go into the city. They will be killed. Their only chance their only chance is that they go to this army that has put siege on the city of Jerusalem and they surrender and maybe, maybe they'll have mercy on them, receive them as prisoners of war and take care of them. But if not, they'll kill them. But they're going to die anyway. So why not take the risk? See, here we learn that living by faith will demand risky decisions. It will demand risky decisions decisions. And I want you to understand that those faith-filled, risky decisions have no guarantees. There is no guarantee in this decision at all. 
at all. There's no guarantee that this is going to turn out well for them. But I want you to watch what God does. Watch. See, at dusk they got up and went to the camp of the Armenians. When they reached the edge of the camp, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the Armenians to hear the sound of chariots and horses and a great army. So that they said to one another, Look, the king of Israel has hired the Hittite and Egyptian kings to attack us. So they got up and fled in the dusk and abandoned their tent and their horses and donkeys and they left the camp as it was and they ran for their lives. Now here's the thing. Four men whose bodies are rotting are not going to be ninjas walking through the forest, okay? They probably were making some noise. Probably some grunts. Probably some, ah, some of that. And this noise that was coming from four broken men walking through the forest, approaching the camp, God took that noise and in the minds of the soldiers and the leaders caused them to think that they were under siege from another army. My dad used to laugh so hard at that. And he would say, just, you know, he said, I can imagine those lepers looking at each other. We're probably going to die, but I'm going to die with my head in the stew pot. Because they were so hungry, they were willing to do anything, anything to live. But God did something that they couldn't. And that's what we learned. That responding in faith will position you to see that God can do what you cannot. A lot of times before we respond in faith, the situation looks impossible. But when we respond in faith, we see that God can do the things that we cannot. So look what happened. The men who had leprosy reached the edge of camp, entered one of the tents, and they ate and drank. Now understand, now they are, these four lepers, the richest men in all of Israel. They took the silver, gold, and clothes and went off and hid them. I want you to see this in this moment. That God is capable of doing more than you can imagine. Oftentimes we're a lot like the prodigal son returning back to the father. Our best hope is that God would make us a servant. But God's plan was to receive him as a son, to reinstall him. See, these lepers, their plan was that they would be a prisoner of war. But what happened? God drove out their enemy, and all that their enemy possessed became theirs. More than they could have ever asked or dreamed or imagined. But I also see in this moment this truth, that it's instinctive to want to take God's blessings and keep them for ourselves. And far too many of us do that. Far too many of us take the good things that God has given us and we try to hold on to them. But watch what these four very sharp men do. They said to each other, we're going, what we're doing is not right. This is a day of good news and we're keeping it to ourselves. If we wait until daylight, punishment will overtake us. Let's go at once and report this to the royal palace. Now they're being really, really smart here. Because they realize that within a day, the army and army is probably going to figure out what's happened. And they're going to return. And if they find us here eating their food, they're going to kill us. 
or the army of Israel is going to figure out that the Armenians have left and they fled and they're going to come to the camp and if they find us here eating all the food and taking all the, the spoils of war, then they're going to kill us. So let's do what nobody has ever done for us. Four men who were kicked out of the city who were left to die. Four men who had been treated poorly their entire adult lives that they suffered under a disease that they did not deserve. Went back to share what they had been given. See, a lot of times I think that we think that God blesses us because we're so special. But that's not true at all. God has blessed you to be a blessing. And we learn in this moment from them, from their wisdom, that if we try to keep what's not ours, we will always endure punishment. Always. If we try to keep what's not ours, we will always endure punishment. The truth is, is that God wants to give us in an open hand. He wants to give to us in, in an open hand. And the blessings of God need to be held in our lives in an open hand. The thing about an open hand is that it, it is open to what God's going to put in it, but it is willing to say, God, you can take it away too. But far too many of us have closed fists. God's given us something and we close our fist around it and we hold on to it and we fight letting it go. We fight releasing it. When you fight, when you, when you close your fist around the blessings of God, you're, you're just positioning yourself for punishment. Probably the best example is fireworks. Now, I know none of y'all played with fireworks when you were a kid. None of you. I know nobody in this room shot a bottle rocket at somebody or took a Roman candle and tried to shoot your friends with it. I know that didn't happen at all, okay? But if you take a firework, just a, a, a basic firework, and you light it and you put it in the palm of your hand and you let it go off, it will, it will flash burn your skin. But if you close your fist around that, the very same firework, you'll need a lot of work because you're going to lose some fingers. The very same experience, an open hand and a closed fist, and that closed fist leads to punishment. So look at how this ends. So they went and called out to the city gatekeepers and told them, we went into the Armenian camp and no one was there, not a sound of anyone, only tethered horses and donkeys and tents just as they were. The gatekeeper shouted the news and it was reported to the palace. Israel goes on to defeat the Armenian army because of this one simple move. But here's an interesting thing. Those four lepers are never mentioned again in Scripture. Four who were willing to give what they had never been given themselves. I really think that if we're going to respond in faith, we have got to improve our share. We've got to improve our share. These men were given, but they were willing to give. They were willing to share the blessing of God. 
and not hoard it for themselves. So what I want to do as we wrap this message up, I want to give you four things that will help you improve your share. Number one, identify what you're trying to keep that's not really yours. If you want to improve your share, the first thing you need to do is identify what you're trying to keep that's not really yours. For some of us, it's money. We're trying to keep this money. I'm trying to keep this. I, I'm, I can't give right now because I'm, what if this happens? But, but, but what if this happens? You know, I just need a little bit more. And then if I can get a little bit more, I'll finally be in a position where I can do what I know I'm supposed to do. I know I'm supposed to do that, but I can't do that right now because I'm afraid. Some of us, it's serving. I know I'm gifted and I know I'm talented. And you know what? The truth is, is that, that I, I really, I'm in a season right now where I need to take those gifts and talents and leverage those for my own personal benefit. And so, you know what, um, I don't really have time to serve at church. I don't have time to advance the kingdom of God. This is really a season when really I just, I need to focus on me. Because I'm afraid that if I do that, that this isn't going to be taken care of. Some of us do it with love. We know that we've been loving and been, been, been cared for in a way that is very gracious and forgiving, that God's loving for us has always been uh, very kind and generous, but we're, we keep people at arm's length and we're not willing to love other people. You need to identify what you're trying to keep that's not really yours because when you try to keep something that's not yours, when you use the wisdom of those four lepers, Number one, you're living in fear. You're living in fear. It's fear that's keeping you from making that decision. And when there's fear in your life, essentially you are inviting the wrath of God. Because fear is no small issue. So we're going to see in just a moment. And then as the leper so brilliantly pointed out, you will live under punishment. You will live under punishment. If you try to keep something that's not yours, you will live under punishment. Now here's the thing. Let's talk about money for a second. I mean, we, we, we understand that it's God's plan to be generous and to give, that he baselines that by a percentage, not by an amount, and that's 10%. That's why we call it a tithe. And so many of us say, I can't do that because it's just simple. I, I, I'm afraid. I'm afraid if I do that, I won't have enough money for it. I'm afraid if I do that, I won't be able to take care of this. I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm afraid. And so what happens is out of fear, we hoard. And we try to keep, and we try to keep, and we try to keep, and we just try to keep. And it may not be, the punishment may not be that God takes your money. But it may be that you live under constant anxiety and worry and stress about money. Because you haven't fully trusted and put your faith in God. And that is, in essence, a form of punishment. So identify what you're trying to keep that's not really yours. Number two, confess your fear as sin. I want you to get this today because this is important. Fear is not simply 
an attitude. It's not just simply something that's kind of uh, kind of affecting your heart negatively. Fear is sin. Fear is sin. Fear is looking straight into the heart of God and saying, you can't. I know I'm supposed to do this, but you, you can't. There's no way in the world, God, that you can do what you say you can do. There's no way. It's impossible. You see, your fear is not minimizing risk. It's actually displeasing God. Because it's faith in our lives. Faith is a motivator that pleases God. It's when God sees us living by faith that God is pleased with us. But fear, fear is sin. And it's displeasing God. And I think many of you know that already. You, you, you already have the hint of that. And you know I'm supposed to be generous, but you know what? I've just resisted that. I know, it's, I know that I'm afraid. It's, I'm doing it because, 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 because. I know I, 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 know I need to give and serve, and I, but, but, but I'm not serving because I, I've had this experience and it didn't go well before, and I'm not serving, I'm not engaging because really this is a season where I need to focus. I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm afraid. And I know I need to be in community and relationships and experience love, but, but I've been hurt by so many people that I'm keeping people out of this. I don't want to be hurt again. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I know I need it. So the third thing that you need to do is you need to see what fear is keeping you from. If you want to improve your serve, you need to see what fear is keeping you from. Because here's the thing. Many of us are losing significant portions of our life things that God wants for you, that God has purchased for you, that God desires for you, and you're losing it simply to an attitude and perspective of fear. So ultimately, fear is keeping you from Jesus. In Galatians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul describes this decision that we'll either respond to the Spirit of God or to our own fleshly desires. Now, a lot of times when we say our own fleshly desires, we like to talk about things like overindulgence and lust and things like that. But can I just expose this today, that some of our fleshly desire is fear. Because we want to find security in this world, in what we possess and in what we control. It's a fleshly desire. And when we choose that, we are not choosing Jesus. And your fear is keeping you from choosing Jesus. Your fear is keeping you from choosing. In Galatians 5, the Apostle Paul goes on to explain and expose what happens when we actually choose Jesus. That there's secondary consequences that come from that decision that we begin to grow fruit in our lives and he calls it love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. See, the problem is fear is keeping you from love. Fear is keeping you from joy. Fear is keeping you from peace. Fear is keeping you from everything that God paid the price through Jesus Christ to give you in this life. So what do we need to do? We need to 
choose to respond to God's invitations with faith. To respond in faith to God's invitations. It's faith. It's faith that unlocks the life that God wants. It's faith that pleases God. It's faith that leads us to places that we could never imagine. It's faith that positions us to see what God could do that we could never do. It's faith. It's faith. So what are the invitations that God has for us? What is God inviting us to? Look at this. He's inviting us to love like he loves. So many of us love, but we love selfishly. We love because of what we get from other people. But aren't you happy that God loves you even when you don't get it right? Aren't you happy that God keeps no record of wrongs? That he's willing to give grace Aren't you happy that God never cut your relationship with him off just because you blew it one time? We need to love other people that way. And so many people don't. So many people don't. We need to give like God gives. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would choose him would not perish. That God gave not holding back, not setting limits that he gave. See, here's the problem. Every parent in this room has got annoyed with their kids because they wouldn't share. And we know that we own the toys that they have and we want to see them selflessly share their toys with others. To play good, to give, to be generous, to have good open hearts. But here's the problem. So many of us carry the exact same attitude in our hearts. We keep the blessings of God for ourselves and are unwilling to share them with a world that is lost and dying. Statistically, in this room, 90% of you have not shared your faith with a non-believer in the last three months. And we as Christians and believers have what the world needs. We have the hope. We have what they need. And we're unwilling to give it. Because we're scared. Because we're scared. So ultimately, what is God inviting us to? He's inviting us to follow Him in faith. In faith. And the thing about faith is faith is an active choice that we make to say yes to God. And when we say yes to God, life all of a sudden becomes an adventure. Because He takes us into risky places and we can trust Him with it. I'm going to be honest with you. You can have the exact same experience and it can feel like torture when you go through it with fear. A year ago, my friends drug me up on a zip line. I'm going to be honest with you. I hate heights. Okay? And I do not like zip lines. There's way too far to fall and there's way too little between me and them. Okay? So I get up on the zip line. I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't want to do it. I hated it the whole way up. Going up that big long line. I hated it when they, I made them check the strap like three times. Not once, three times. After the third time, the guy was like, you good, man. You good. We do this all the time. We're on the zip line and we're going 
My friends are next to me, and they're all yelling and screaming. And I'm going to be honest with you, I hated every moment of it. Hated it. It was torture. I did it for them. That's the only reason I did it. The very same experience in life when you go through it with faith will feel like an adventure. But if you go through it in fear, it will feel like torture. And God has called us to respond to His invitation. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church, we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.